0: Welcome to another edition of Focus on the Kingdom. This is Anthony Buzzard inviting you again to search the scriptures with us as we continue with our investigation of Jesus' famous and favorite topic, the gospel or good news about the kingdom of God. We've been pointing out that Jesus was a Jew who must be understood in his own first century Palestinian environment. It makes sense that if Jesus spoke to Jews, and those words are recorded for us in our New Testament documents, then those famous words must be understood in their own Jewish context. Now the gospel as Jesus preached it, the gospel about the kingdom of God, is itself a thoroughly Jewish idea. When Jesus came into Galilee saying, Repent, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is coming soon. Change your ideas, change your lifestyle, reorientate your whole pattern of thinking to a new horizon. He was referring to a very Jewish concept. The kingdom of God was not some vague nebulous idea about God being in charge of the world. It had rather a very focused and specific meaning. The kingdom of God was the equivalent of the national hope of Israel. Every Jew who believed in the prophets of Israel the prophets, as to say, recorded in our own Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, those prophets had constantly warned of a day coming when God would intervene to change the fortunes of human government and establish his own divine government on the earth in Palestine with Jerusalem as its capital and the Messiah ruling on the restored throne of David. That is undoubtedly what was meant by the kingdom of God And the kingdom of God, you'll remember, is at the very heart of the gospel, the Christian gospel, the Christian saving gospel, I should add, as it came from the lips of Jesus. Now, it's quite extraordinary, indeed alarming, to read in some quarters that the teaching of Jesus is unimportant for our salvation. There are some who seem to be saying that Jesus came only to do three days' work, to die and to be buried and to be raised again. What then would be the point of all of his teaching? Jesus came to save and to seek lost sinners, and by that he did not mean that he came only to die. He came to preach and to teach, and all of that is part of his saving program. We find that Jesus constantly spoke of having come to seek and to save what was lost. In other words, he came to rescue sinners not only by his death and resurrection, but by his preaching and teaching. Isaiah 53, verse 11 says that the Messiah, the suffering servant, will make many righteous by his knowledge, by the teaching and the insights which he imparts to us in the gospel of the kingdom of God. Isaiah 53, verse 11, a much neglected verse, by the way. And in Luke 8, verse 12 Jesus spoke of the saving message of the kingdom. He remarked there that when that message of the kingdom, known there as the word of God, the word of the kingdom in Matthew 13:19, when that word of God lodges in the heart of the potential convert, the devil comes, Jesus said, and takes away that word of the kingdom from their heart or mind so that they may not believe it and be saved. Stay with that passage in Luke for just a moment and see what critically important information is conveyed to us by the teaching of Jesus. In Luke 8, verse 8, Jesus customarily raised his voice and said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. You get the impression that Jesus has arrived here at a critically important juncture in his teaching in order to add the greatest possible emphasis to what he's about to say. Jesus would customarily cry out, would call out, would raise his voice with maximum emphasis. This was at the end of the famous parable of the seeds and the soil, known rather less happily as the parable of the sower. The sower, in fact, is not the main point of that parable. The real point lies in what happens to the seed as it falls upon different types of soil soil there represents the heart of the potential convert. In verse 10 of Luke 8, Jesus said to his disciples, to you it has been granted to understand or to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. That's to say, God's kingdom plan, his grand design for establishing on the earth a fair society and a sound government under the leadership of his Messiah, mystery in the Bible does not mean something inscrutable, something so enigmatic that nobody can understand it. It means revelation in regard to God's program. To the disciples of Jesus, the elements of that program, his kingdom program, have been revealed. But to the rest, Jesus said, those outside, it appears in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. That's to say they hear sounds as of a voice but what's being said makes no sense to them. They may see certain words printed on the page but it doesn't penetrate their comprehension. And then in verse 11 Jesus said this. Now the parable is as follows. The seed in the parable means the word of God. In the parallel passage in Matthew 13:19, the seed is defined most clearly as the gospel of God about the kingdom. The seed is the word of God or the word of the kingdom. Those are interchangeable terms. And then Jesus said in verse 12, Those beside the road mean those who have heard, and then the devil comes and snatches away the word of the kingdom from their mind or heart so that they may not believe in that message about the kingdom, Jesus' gospel, and be saved. So how important at this point is the teaching of Jesus? Wouldn't we agree that it's absolutely essential? It's only by coming in contact with the saving message of the kingdom, as uttered by Jesus, the great rabbi and teacher, that a man can be saved. Jesus here has given us a quite remarkable intelligence report. What he lets us know in this extraordinary statement in Luke 8, verse 12, is that the devil is fully aware of the danger, from the devil's point of view, of the progress of the message of the kingdom. It's when that kingdom message is firmly established in the heart of the believer that fruit for the kingdom can be born. It's the essential seed, the seed, in fact, of immortality. The devil is dead against human beings attaining their destiny of immortality in the kingdom of God, and so he attempts to block and to jam, to interfere with, and to distort in every way possible the precious seed message of the kingdom uttered by Jesus. When anyone hears the message of the kingdom, Jesus said, the devil comes and takes away the word that's been sown in their heart so that they may not believe it and be saved. That, of course, attaches ultimate importance to the reception, the intelligent reception of the message about the kingdom. It's reasonable then that in this series of programs we should concentrate on the meaning of that message of the kingdom of God which Jesus clearly saw as the indispensable saving element, the saving seed message of Jesus himself, the great preacher of the gospel. And so it's quite untrue to suggest that Jesus came only to die and to be raised. Salvation is to be found also in the precious teachings of Jesus as they are arranged under the famous umbrella term, the gospel of the kingdom of God. The reason why the term kingdom of God summarizes the teaching so well is simply that God was operating through Jesus and is indeed still operating through Jesus, his great kingdom design. From the moment when man was expelled from the garden, when God's kingdom plan was, so to speak, disrupted by the interruption of the devil, who gained a hold over the minds of our first parents, ever since that time, God has been engaged in a restoration kingdom program. The kings of Israel, you know, were under trial. Some did well, and some did badly. King Solomon set out well, but collapsed in a disastrous manner. His father, David, of course, is taken to be the ideal king of Israel, a man after God's own heart, But David himself looked forward to his ultimate descendant, the Messiah, the one who would perfectly fulfill God's kingdom restoration program. And so Israel waited for the coming of their Messiah. Tragically, when that Messiah arrived, was born of the Virgin Mary, and came into ministry in Galilee, by and large the Jewish people did not accept him. He came to his own, John reports, but his own people did not receive him, but as many as received his message, that's to say believed in his name, his teaching, to those people God has given the authority to become sons of God, and as sons of God they will be rulers in the kingdom of God to be established on the earth when Christ comes back. Jesus, you see, was the ideal Israelite person what Israel was intended to be from the start, namely God's representative, a shining light to the nations. Israel, in Exodus 4.22, is called the Son of God, and Jesus, you know, was recognized as the Messiah, the Son of the living God. You'll find that in the 16th chapter of Matthew, verses 16 to 18. In Matthew two, verse fifteen, a text which originally applied to the nation of Israel, is applied directly to Jesus. Now, why is that? Well, simply because Jesus is the ideal representative of the nation of Israel. He performs in a way which Israel should have done. Israel should have represented God faithfully. Israel should have been God's spokesman. But not until the appearance of Jesus was that function carried out in a proper manner. Jesus, as the ideal Israelite, also sets the example for us who try to follow in his steps. He is the pioneer Christian, the model Christian, bearer of the good news of the kingdom of God, as each Christian also should be. The problem is that many Christians have not themselves learned what that gospel is, but by coming into discipleship with Jesus and learning from his kingdom message, as is described for us in the gospels, Christians themselves should take the good news of the kingdom of God to their friends and their neighbors, they should become, to use a New Testament phrase in Colossians 4, co-workers for the kingdom of God, that being the supreme objective of humankind, to gain a position as an immortal ruler, co-ruler with Jesus in the future kingdom of God on the earth. Blessed are the meek, said Jesus, they're going to have the earth as their inheritance, Matthew 5, verse 5, they're going to rule as kings on the earth with Jesus, Revelation 5, verse 10. The great key to successful Bible study is to recognize first and foremost that Jesus was a member of the Jewish race. He spoke as a Jew. His teaching was deeply rooted in the Hebrew Scriptures. He used the term kingdom of God, which itself is a thoroughly Jewish concept, and by kingdom he meant God's worldwide government, his revolutionary government, to be established by a catastrophic intervention at the future coming of Christ in power and glory. It is repentance in view of that great plan which Jesus demanded of his audiences, and indeed still demands of us who come in contact with that message of the kingdom, The gospel has not changed. Jesus, the book of Hebrews states, is the same today, yesterday, and forever. It's essential to hear him preach for salvation, as Paul said in Romans 10, verse 14. We invite you to request from us our free book on the kingdom of God, and join us again as we continue with our investigation of Jesus' famous topic, the gospel about the kingdom of God.